Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks, two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to iFreaks, episode number 252. This week on our panel, we have Erica Sadoon. Hello from Denver. James Zuber. Hello from Minneapolis. I'm Andrew Madsen in Salt Lake City. And we don't exactly have a special guest. We have our usual panelist, uh, Guy Rambo, but he's going to be our guest this this week. And Guy is going to talk about this new Siri stuff in iOS 12. So, Guy, why don't you just give us a really high-level 30,000-foot overview of what is new with Siri in iOS 12. A lot of our listeners probably already know most of this stuff, but I think it'd be good to recap. Yeah, so on iOS 12, uh, apps can now define their own intents for Siri. Before, you could only use Siri for your app if you had a very specific domain like messaging or uh, list taking, note taking uh, or ride sharing and other domains like that. But now we can actually use Siri for other types of apps that are not do not necessarily fit inside those very narrow domains. I need to haul you back just about two feet. You mentioned a Siri intention. This is like complications on the watch. Could you explain what an intention is? So uh, they call it uh, they they call them intents, uh, and they are basically ways for you to define an action that a user wants to take uh, in a certain context. And for our purposes here, the context is the app. So if your app is a note-taking app, you're going to have a write a note intent, and the intent will be to write a note, so create a new note, and you will probably have a text that you want to add to the note. Uh, so that's an example that would be possible even before iOS 12, but with iOS 12, you can create your own intents with their own uh, inputs uh, and outputs. So a year or so ago, you could create a nest intent. What kind of additional semantics can you now introduce using Siri? Basically anything. Uh, you define your intent using Xcode with the intent editor, and they have some templates for common things such as purchases and other common actions that people might want to take in an app, such as creating an item. And the item can be uh, any arbitrary item that's uh, applicable to your app. Uh, but you can actually just use uh, a template that's called the run template, which basically means do anything. <laughs> so your, your intent can be basically any action that a user can take inside your app. I want to dig into this a lot more because there's some really cool stuff here. But I also want to know what else is new with Siri in iOS 12. Well, one thing that's really cool is uh, that you, we, we can now use the 
NS user activity API, which we've been using for stuff like handoff uh, and continuity, we can now use the same API to provide information to the Siri uh, knowledge system. They don't call that uh, that publicly, but I like to do that distinction because Siri now is not just a personal voice assistant. It's more than that. So Siri is this entire system on iOS uh, and the Mac and the watch that can uh, give you contextual suggestions based on the location you are, the time of the day, the calendar events, even and many other inputs. So you can now use the NS user activity system to provide information for the system that this uh, Siri knowledge system will learn and eventually give suggestions to the user. Those can be uh, in the, the form of suggestions in the uh, Siri in the spotlight interface. And they can also be suggestions even in the lock screen if they are really relevant. That's really cool. One of the, I mean, so App, Apple's been doing that kind of stuff with their own apps for a while. Like, if I plug in my, if I plug my iPhone into my car, it you know it suggests Overcast to me because usually when I get in my car and plug in my phone, I open Overcast and start listening to a podcast. But it's no more detailed than that. It's just here's this app you use. It doesn't know anything about the app content of the app or parts of the app. So that's pretty cool. What about Siri shortcuts? Is that something different than custom intents? Those shortcuts, uh, they are based on uh, intents and they can also be based on user activity items. So you can think of custom intents as a more advanced user activity object uh, because you can basically do very similar things with them, but with intents, you get a little bit more flexibility as to uh, the formats and how they're presented. And you can use uh, custom extensions to have the intents be executed outside of your app, which we can talk about later. Um, so uh, the, the series shortcuts, they are just a way for the user to record a custom trigger phrase that will then execute an intent or just uh, open a user activity in your app. Well, let's start. What's the easiest way for a developer to add add support for you know some new Siri feature in iOS 12? The easiest way is definitely user activity. So if you're already supporting uh, things such as spotlight indexing and if you're already supporting things like handoff, uh, if you do the custom URL stuff, which uses user activity, you can adopt the Siri shortcuts and uh, the suggestions functionality just by setting a Boolean property on your, your user activity object, which is called uh, is eligible for prediction. So if you enable that on your user activity, and it's only available on iOS 12, you can just set that property and the system will uh, consume that user activity as a means of predicting a future uh, useful action for the user. And it's important that you don't do that for basically every user activity in your app. It must be something that the user will want to do uh, repeatedly, uh, such as 
messaging a friend, for instance, that's a good example. I will probably want to message uh, friends multiple times and there's no uh, expiration to that unless I guess I'm not a friend with that person anymore. Uh, but <laughs> you can, uh, you should only use it for things that are repeatable. So not, not like a one-time thing that user does once in your app and never does again. Uh, you can, so uh, let's give a practical practical example if you have an e-commerce app and it has many products every time the user opens up the screen of a specific product inside the app you might want to create a user activity for that item and uh, provide it to the prediction system because the user might want to open the app uh, again later to see the same products and if it's like a food ordering app which the user bites open every Friday night to order some specific flavor of pizza, you will probably see that being suggested to the user if that's something that's done uh, with a certain frequency and at specific times and locations. So the, that's a very easy way to get started and user activity is a very simple API. Okay, so if you have e e-commerce app, probably selling a TV is not a good um, activity for this to create an intent because you're not going to buy that many TVs. But if you like the same coffee you get every week, that type of thing is repeatable. That's something that um, you could give to the, give to the system to Siri multiple times and they could figure out that, Oh, whatever's happening has happened before. And this is when they usually order their coffee. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a very, that's basically the perfect example. Uh, let's say I order the same coffee every Monday morning at eight. Uh, the system will learn that very quickly. And uh, I, I'll be very soon seeing that coffee suggested on my lock screen or uh, in spotlights because the, the system will uh, associate that specific uh, day of the week and specific time with that activity. One of so, the what are things does it does it use to create the recommendation? You talked about time, you know, the dates. Uh, what what other factors are, are in use? Apple won't say exactly all of the variables involved. I guess it's a little bit like the Google algorithm. They don't want people to, uh, trying to game the system or something. Uh, but we know that it uses at least the day of the week, the the time and also the location, but it's probably also using the previous actions you've executed and it probably associates different actions. So if you do a sequence of actions, it might associate those actions together. And uh, it probably also uses connected accessories uh, like Andrew mentioned. So Siri is notable for not just doing simple single commands like Siri, do you love me? And Siri will say, well, I'm modestly fond of you. But you can also say, send a text to whom? What should I have the text say? And so forth. Does this kind of flexibility and story flow apply to the developer APIs as well as to the built-in? Or is this something that you have to give a command that's a complete command all at once? Yeah, unfortunately, that's still not a possibility with the custom intents. You can't get 
customized input. Going back to our example of the e-commerce, if I want to purchase a specific type of coffee uh, and I want one item and I want it delivered to my home, my, when I register that intent with Siri, I'm going to register the purchase of that type of coffee with one item and to my home. And I can't change that using Siri. So I'll always be ordering that specific order. Uh, but what you can do is you can specify combinations of parameters that you, your intent supports. And you can decide uh, which combinations are complete. So uh, I need probably the type of coffee and the number of items uh, and uh, delivery location. So I need all three of them. And if one of those is not specified, I can then open my app and let the user just specify that one thing that's missing. Uh, but I can't do that through Siri. That's the main limitation of custom intents at the moment is that you can't provide custom inputs using Siri. Let me follow on to that by asking, what kind of output can you create? Because when you ask Siri, you can ask it to show you uh, pictures of kittens and you'll see that in the chat. Or you can ask for a random number and it will show you a random number. And sometimes it will speak it aloud. Sometimes it will say, here's what I found. What kind of feedback do you get from custom intents? The feedback will depend on the type of intent and also how you implement it. So the, the most simple implementation is you just create your intent and let the app handle it. So when the user invokes your intent, either through Siri or through the shortcuts app or any other means, it's going to just launch your app and you're going to get a callback on your app delegate, uh, very similar to how you get a callback when the user opens a deep link. Um, so that's like the, the easiest way. So the output is basically launching your app in that specific screen and doing that specific action. Uh, if you want to do something more advanced, you can implement a Siri intent handling extension. So that's something that will be run in the background. And that type of extension can provide output to Siri in the form of text. Uh, text. Uh, so it's going to be just a message like, uh, okay, your order is complete. Or sorry, there was an error. Do you want to open the app? Something like that. Um, and if you want to do even more, you can create your custom intent UI extension. And that type of extension can actually provide custom UI that's displayed in the context of the Siri UI. And it can also be displayed uh, in a notification looking uh, thing that uh, opens up when you 3D touch an item in the spotlight interface or you uh, 3D touch it in the lock screen. So you can you can uh, choose uh, which level of uh, quality of output you want to implement. And the most advanced one is the UI extension that can be pretty much anything you want uh, in terms of UI. You have some space limitations and some interactivity limitations. But uh, if you want to display the picture of a kitten, uh, you can definitely do that. So how much power do you have to 
handle automatic things. Like if you're ordering a coffee or a television and detailing automatically, like, can you just do that in the app charge money? Are there, are there yeah. What you can do? Yeah. So, so the, the sample I gave for a talk, uh, I presented on the subject is a milkshake ordering app and the sample app supports Apple pay. Uh, so, in that case, since it does everything through Apple Pay, you can actually implement the entire Apple Pay, uh, Apple Pay purchasing flow inside of your extension. And when you uh, do like the, the sample I did is order hot caramel sundae, it's going to show uh, a preview of the products, which is my custom UI extension. And you just say yes, it opens up the Apple Pay sheet inside of the, the Siri UI. You confirm the payment with Face ID or Touch ID. And it does the entire ordering process without even launching the app. So you can do that. Uh, if your app uh, needed to get uh, like credit card details, you'd have to open the app at least once, assuming you could save that information later for further purchases um, so yeah you can do quite quite a lot using the background extension there it seems like there are, there are really two parts to siri that apple uses so apple uses siri to describe the the voice assistant thing that you talk to and hear from but they actually also use siri for um the Oh, I don't, I don't know how to term this, but the stuff on the, the suggestions on the lock screen and the things that are on the spotlight screen and uh, that sort of thing. Um, I don't think you, I don't think the average user though thinks of any of that as Siri. They think of Siri as the thing you talk to. Uh, how much of what we've been talking about applies to Siri, the voice assistant, versus Siri, the you know lock screen and notification drawer suggestion assistant? Pretty much everything we talked about applies to both. Uh, so there's no distinction. Uh, if, uh, if there's even, I think we should mention the shortcuts app. If you have a custom intent or even a user activity, you can use that as part of the shortcuts app. So you can create a shortcut in the shortcuts app and you can integrate actions of your app inside a sequence of shortcuts and events you execute. And the same flow will be applied to all of the different invocation methods. Uh, so uh, in the case of the, the Milkshake app I, I built, if you touch uh, the uh, item in the, the uh, spotlight suggestion, it's going to open up the UI I made using the UI extension, just like it would open up in the Siri UI. So it's you are you don't have any dis distinction uh, as to how the user is invocating your shortcuts. It's going to behave the same independently of how it's being executed. I want to take this off to left field and ask you, why don't we have these? same strengths and APIs and just nuance on the Mac, which has Siri, that we get on iOS? That's something you should ask Apple. <laughs> I guess it's but because... Yeah, but you're the person who actually looks at you know the Mac and stuff under the hood. Do you see any hints that this kind of thing would be there? 
I mean, as a Mac author, I would love to be able to do things that are really exciting with Siri with my app on the Macintosh. But right now, I find I don't think I've used Siri more than twice since it's launched on the Mac. And that's been some time. Yeah, currently, uh, the only thing you can do really with uh, third-party apps and Siri on the Mac is if the app has a user activity support, you can, uh, with the app active, you can say to Siri, remind me about this uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m. And it's going to grab the user activity from the active app and add that to a uh, reminder. So that's basically the entire extent of third-party Siri integration on the Mac. Uh, if you want to try it out, you can try it uh, in something like Mail or using uh, my WWDC app for Mac. If you have a session selected in the app, you can say, remind me about this, and uh, it's going to detect the user activity and give you a reminder later. But that's all you can do uh, at the moment. And I think it's uh, because, first of all, there are still different operating systems, even though the underlying technologies are the same. Uh, there are still many differences under the hoods. And with Project Marzipan, which we got a sneak peek earlier this year, I think they don't want people to be building all of these extensions with the, the Mac APIs only to then release the APIs exactly the same as they are on iOS next year and then have to keep supporting both. So I guess it's a waiting game now. Uh, it's just a matter of time until we can run the same extensions on both the Mac and iOS. It's frustrating though because I sit in front of my Mac all day every day and I and Siri could be really useful but it's not on the Mac. Yeah, it, it's interesting that with shortcuts uh, which was previously workflow uh, I've been playing around with that a lot lately and that's uh, there are some things you can do more easily and some very powerful things you can do with shortcuts that you simply can't do with your Mac, at least not as easily. Yeah, I mean, Automator has been on the Mac for a long time and Apple Script for even longer. And I, I don't know, I, I actually use Apple Script all the time on the Mac. And it would be nice to be able to tie that into Siri. So, I, I have a, a something that I don't know very much about, but I wanted to ask you about. I noticed that along with the support for new intents, for custom intents in iOS 12, there's actually a, a resource file format for defining intents. It lo it, it, the editor for it in Xcode looks kind of like the core data editor a little bit. Um, what's that all about? So that's how you actually make your custom intents uh, and you define properties and responses and enums for your custom intent. So the first thing you do is you can select a category and they have uh, different uh, categories and those will inform how Siri will behave in relation to your intent. So there are generic ones, like I mentioned, uh, do, run, and go. There are informational, there are ordering, there are start, share, create, search, downloads, and others that you can choose. So that's just 
like a configuration for how it's going to behave. You can give them titles, descriptions, images, and uh, configure several parameters, such as whether they can be executed in the background or if they must open your app in order to execute. And what that UI is doing is basically generating code for you. So it, it will actually generate classes for your intents that you're defining in that UI. And those classes you're going to instantiate in code and give to the system for uh, Siri shortcuts to, to and the Siri knowledge system to learn about them. I think the biggest problem with Siri intents is going to be training people to use it and having that issue of discoverability and training. Because unless the app is advocating and teaching its users, and it's got to do this some way in terms of taking over the field of view and bringing this information to the user in some way that's really not obnoxious, I don't think people are going to use custom intents. You need to have that training be part of it because nobody's going to discuss the fact that you can say, show my personal contact QR code in my friend's app, because that's really hard to say. There has to be simplicity of expression, but you also sort of have to be able to include the name of the app correctly, and you have to be able to create statements that work with Siri's parser. And how do you see apps succeeding with this and where do you see apps failing yeah i feel like the main uh, issue as you mentioned will be the discoverability aspect of it and i think apps can do something to help with that uh, apple has provided a view controller that you can use which is actually the entire uh, add to Siri interface that you can access from uh, preferences uh, on iOS 12. So if you open up the, the settings app on iOS 12 and you go to Siri and search, there's a section called Siri shortcuts and it's going to show you suggested shortcuts. So send a message to so-and-so and play this playlist. And when you tap the plus button, it opens up a, an add to Siri interface where you can record your custom trigger phrase for that action. And the, that entire add to Siri UI is available to, yeah, to the apps. So the user doesn't have to actually go into settings and open up that panel, which, as you mentioned, uh, many people won't know about its existence. Uh, so you can uh, basically, when the user has done an action, uh, let's say uh, the user has just finished ordering a coffee, you can show a button that says Add to Siri, and when the user taps the button, it's going to open up the Add to Siri interface, and then they can uh, create a custom phrase, which, uh, as you mentioned, uh, must be something simple, such as coffee time or something like that, or caffeine. So it can be just a simple word. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I feel like the discoverability aspect is going to be interesting. And I, I'm very curious to see how different apps are going to handle that, uh, how much the apps are going to push users into adding stuff to Siri. Uh, I feel like if if it's 
well implemented in the app, it can be uh, a way to drive more engagements uh, from the users. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's a big question mark there, how much it's going to get adoption. Then let me ask you a related question. And that is, we've had extensions now for several years. And extensions are also very much an opt-in, opt-out sort of system. Have developers found that this is in their bottom line best interest to support these extensions and have users that have to be trained to find them and to use them because there's a big monetary investment. So are we seeing that kind of thing be a success or have we seen an initial response to it and then developers pulling back? I feel like the types of extensions that work the best are the ones that don't require too much stuff from the user. Uh, so as an example, I feel like the notification extensions, they have a decent amount of adoption and uh, they provide some very useful functionality to, to apps in terms of customizing the notification interface and handling rich notifications with pictures and stuff. So I feel like uh, those uh, have succeeded. The today extensions, not so much. It depends on the type of app you're using. The one I use the most is the one for carrots, which is my favorite weather app. So that one I use a lot and I very rarely actually run the app. I just look at the today extension to see the, the forecast. Um, in the case of the, the Siri extension, uh, like I said, it's a question mark. It does require some effort from the user, but I feel like it's less than a today extension requires because today extensions are really tricky. You have to tell the user to open up the notification center and find the add button and then drag your card into the specific place. So it's a little more tricky than just pressing an add to Siri button and saying something. So I feel like uh, there's a good chance that they are going to get more adoption than today extensions. And I should also mention that uh, handling Siri shortcuts does not require an extension. You can provide a better user experience with uh, extensions, but you don't have to have extensions. Is there a place to watch your talk that you gave? Is it online? It is, but it's in Portuguese, so I think it's a little tricky <laughs> to for people to watch. Oh, was that was the conference in Brazil? Yeah. Oh, cool. I didn't know there was a iOS conference in Brazil. It's actually a huge uh, conference. It's called the Developers Conference, and it uh, has many different tracks for all sorts of technologies and iOS is one of them, and it's actually one of the, the small ones because, yeah, the, there aren't that many iOS developers here. I'm looking at it right now. It really does have a lot of tracks. Yeah. How many people go to this? I have no idea, but it definitely, uh, in I, I would say in the tens of thousands, uh, if you uh, take into account all the different days and the different tracks. But the iOS track is usually like... At most, 100 people. Interesting. Well, I, I think that's kind of fun because you can actually meet people and see who's there and whatever. 
yeah, I've met some uh, really good friends in that conference. What else should we know about Siri and iOS 12 that we haven't talked about? I think we should mention the Shortcuts app, which is coming with uh, iOS 12. So the Shortcuts app, uh, if people are familiar with the workflow app, Shortcuts is basically workflow. It's the same team, but they have renamed it to Shortcuts, which is a more friendly name. And uh, it's going to be in the App Store, so it's not a platform app. It doesn't come pre-installed with iOS 12. So if you are interested in creating combinations of actions to run together, you will have to go to the App Store and download the Shortcuts app. Uh, it's going to replace the Workflow app when iOS 12 ships. So you're going to, if you have the Workflow app, it's probably going to be an update that's going to rename it to Shortcuts. Uh, it is compatible with the old workflows you have from the workflow app, and it runs on iOS 10 and later. So it's not an iOS 12 specific thing. But if you want to use all of the custom intents and user activity and Siri functionality, you, of course, have to be running iOS 12. Uh, so uh, what you can do with shortcuts is you can string together several different actions. And then you can just uh, save the, that collection of actions as a shortcut that can be executed either inside the app itself with their uh, today extension or through a Siri shortcut. So you can record a custom phrase and uh, use that as a Siri shortcut. And the custom intents and user activities that third-party apps provide can be integrated into a custom shortcut. Uh, as with uh, the Siri invocation, they don't take any input, so you can't customize the inputs uh, that way, but you can like create a shortcut that changes the lights in your home and tells you the es estimated time of arrival if you're leaving work and orders your favorite coffee from a single action. So that's uh, pretty cool. And Shortcuts is very powerful. You can do some programmery things with it, like downloading something from the web and parsing JSON and grabbing keys and values from the JSON and transforming them. So it's basically like a, a mini programming language that you build with uh, building blocks. I know that the Shortcuts app really is workflow. They they hired they they bought workflow and hired the team and they ha did not scrap the app and rewrite it or anything it, it is the yeah workflow. i've looked into it uh, and uh, it's all wk something uh, in the prefixes <laughs> it's also using the same bundle identifier which is funny it's not com.apple.shortcuts it's uh, is.workflow.app something like that yeah if you it says apple is the owner but if you go to the website, the website is the original website. Yeah, it's still up. And uh, I've seen even some, some evidence that they are going to bring back the old uh, workflow sync service. Mm. Uh, it's going to be compatible nice. with the Shortcuts app. So uh, it's definitely still workflow. 
uh, I guess they didn't want to uh, get uh, the old-time workflow users uh, pissed because they <laughs> destroyed their app. So they made lots of efforts into uh, keeping the app compatible and just improving it. If they're using types that start with WK, they're doing it in Objective-C. Once again, proving Andrew's point that Objective-C <laughs> is the solution for everything on Mac. Well, or an uh, iOS Erica, too. I must uh, tell you the news. They are actually using Swift for the the at least the newer parts, the new UI implementation. Oh, that's thank goodness Swift. for that. And I they use Realm as well, which is funny for an Apple app. So they didn't migrate to Core Data. I mean, I think I think the app is old enough that they've got code in Objective C. I actually briefly talked to a member of the team when I was in San Jose. Um, they, I, I think this acquisition was ba really a best case scenario for a team like that. There are a bunch of uh, iOS developers that really care about what they're making, have made an app that people love, and especially mm -hmm. power and users love. And it's beautiful. Yeah, it's an Apple Design Award winner. And Apple hires, instead of Sherlocking them, Apple hires them, and they don't say you have to throw away everything that made your app great. They say, we want to just make it better and integrate it with the system and make it a tentpole feature of this new release. And so they've got to be pretty happy. But I wonder how much of um, keeping workflow or keeping the shortcuts app the same as workflow and, and keeping features that made people love it uh, was, you know, sort of due to um, the people on the team insisting on that. Yeah, I mentioned it during the a Stack Trace episodes that I feel like it could even be like a something in the contract when they purchased the, the, the when they acquired workflow that like we are going to keep the, the code base and keep the functionality and it's great because now since they are inside apple they can use private apis and they can use private entitlements even so now you can control do not disturb airplane modes you can run arbitrary javascript in safari using shortcuts so the app has gotten a lot more powerful I've never been shy about stating how much I dislike the iOS 7 design language um, redesign. And I look at workflow and it is just so visually gorgeous and the colors are bright. And I just hope that maybe they take it from there and expand it to the rest of the operating system. Yeah, I love the bright colors and the gradients and it looks really pretty. We love Johnny Ive, but he's been locked into that white room for way too long. Yeah, I love his hardware, but I, I think I actually like the software UIs before he better before he got in charge of them. I don't want to defend felt and leather and, and grommets, but I really wish they had taken more time and more thought in where they wanted to take the UI. Because I just feel that iOS 7 kind of let the platform down a little. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Well, if there's nothing else uh, about Siri, let's um, get to the picks. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood, and I've been asked more times than I can count, how do I stay current? There's a lot to this question, and I'm working on a solution. Code badges. That's right. You heard me right. Basically, the idea is, is that you come and do a code badge, and that gets you an introduction to a topic. Then you can decide if you want to pursue it further. But while working on the badge, you gain enough proficiency to be able to pick it up again if you need. A lot of technology comes through on the bleeding edge, and not all of it sticks, but the principles do. 
So doing badges on the technologies that will get you ahead will provide you with experience needed to stay competitive. Plus, it offers social proof that you know something about the topic. The project is on Kickstarter right now. You can support it and get on the launch list at codebadge.org. James, do you have a pick for us? Sure, I've, I've, got, I've got a pick today. So in the past, we've talked about eagle feeds and random nature feeds. I'm not sure what else we've talked about. Something came across my desk today, uh, the other day. Um, bears uh, in uh, National Park in Alaska. Brown bears are fishing off salmon, and they've got cameras out there 24 hours a day. So if it's 2 a.m., you know, it's still pretty light out there. So you can still see bears hanging out, doing whatever they're doing. Um, uh, it's a lot of fun. There's lots of happening. And if, if by the time you're listening to this, it's past whatever that season is where the salmon are running. They've got <laughs> YouTube, stuff like that. Uh, but it's pretty, uh, pretty entertaining. So bear cam. And you can see bears chasing after fish, bears fighting each other to get to the fish, families of bears getting into it. So lots, lots of fun. Check out the bear cam from uh, Katmai National Park. I need this. I need this yesterday. I need an app that turns this into my wallpaper on my Mac. <laughs> the live stream wallpaper. I, I like it. <laughs> because, you know, now that the salmon aren't running... We, we've lost our, our main entertainment. And of course, you know, the volcano, you know, eventually burned up the live cams on the cameras. I need some bear. Well, I've got a link for you. <laughs> Fantastic. Erica, do you have a pick for us? I do. And my pick is the iPhone original. And the reason it's my pick this week is that because of all sorts of weird circumstances involving taking my 6 Plus over to Apple for their battery program, because I'd really like to get that done. We're running out of time. There are only a few more months left in this. Um, I'm going to have to hand over my device possibly for several days. It, they, they said they're not entirely sure if they have the parts on hand and so forth, which means I need a device to use in the meantime. So I took out some old devices, plugged them in, and I found that my iPhone original, the four gigabyte one, and my iPhone 4S, they both charged, came to life. It was beautiful and so forth. And before I could really test whether or not it worked with AT&T's uh, SIM cards, I needed to see if the batteries were still pretty good. And so I charged them all up and then I just left them out, you know, on the counter. And by that evening, they were both still at 100%. After 24 hours, the iPhone original was still at about 100%. Uh, the iPhone 4S was about at 40%. And at that point, I did some research. I realized I probably couldn't use my SIM, so I threw it in a box. 24 hours later, I take it out just to take a quick look at it, and I realize this thing is still at nearly 100%. And we're now on, I think, day three of this, and the baby's still charged. And this device is from 2007, or yeah, they delivered it in 2007, I think. And it's working, and its battery is incredible. We would never get this on a more recent iPhone. Yeah, I wonder what's up with this. I've got two original iPhones, and they're the same way. They will hold a charge for a long, long time. That's I think really it was cool. Steve. You So AT&T shut off their 2G service. Yeah, I did try sticking in a SIM. Not only did they shut off the 2G service, but theoretically, I should be able to connect. But iTunes will – it eventually – <laughs> 
I did boot into last night into um, it wasn't Mavericks because Mavericks wouldn't boot. I booted into Yosemite and Yosemite, you know, authorized it, unlocked it and so forth and activated the device. But the device will not connect to any AT&T towers. What's even more fascinating is that if you open up like the App Store, it still works. Yep. <laughs> I, I opened up the Stocks app to see if it would correctly handle the one trillion dollar market cap when apple hit it a couple weeks ago worked fine all right thanks for your pick uh Guy, do you have a pick for us i'm going to pick a project of mine which is shortcuts uh so with uh shortcuts people were talking about how it would be cool to have an open community to share their their shortcuts and so i built uh, shortcuts it's at shortcuts.app and it's a website where you can find some cool shortcuts. And if you open it up on your iOS device with the Shortcuts app installed, you can just uh, tap a shortcut in there and it's going to launch the Shortcuts app and download the shortcut to your library. And it's going to get a lot better. It's uh, invite only for uploads so far. I'm working with some people to get a new front end design for it. And it's going to be improving a lot in the coming months. So that's my pick, sharecuts.app. Great, thanks. I have, uh, I so I just got back from a from a road trip. Well, actually two road trips, which is kind of weird, but I went to Portland um, a little over a week ago. And uh, so I'm going to pick an ice cream shop in Portland uh, and it's called 50 Licks. I think there are a few well-known ice cream stores in Portland. I just hit into this one walking down the street and got ice cream from it and it was really good so if you're in portland uh and haven't been there or if you find yourself in portland down the road check this place out 50 licks there i think they have two locations their ice cream is kind of kind of interesting flavors but nothing too weird there are some ice cream shops that have really weird flavors now but this is like unusual but still normal like caramelized honey was one of the ones i got it was oh that sounds lovely do you remember any of the others? Uh, I got banana pudding. Um, they had blood orange creamsicle, uh, uh, some sort of lavender. I can't remember what it was, but it, it actually had lavender in the ice cream. Um, I'm trying to remember. French toast, I think, was one of them. I didn't get all these flavors. I got two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked them up. They have cornbread with honey butter ice cream. Wouldn't you just love to try that? Yeah, that sounds good. Come and blackstrap ginger snap. Oh boy! Yeah, I want. To All right, next week show from Portland. We agreed. I'm up for it. Oh, and coconut lemon saffron. Yeah, it was good stuff. So anyway, check it out. Fifty licks. Well, I think that's our show for this week. Thanks for all of the information, Guy. It was great to learn more about Siri and iOS 12. Thanks. See everybody next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.